Hi, this is Dean Miller, and welcome to episode six of Dean's List. I'm going to start by telling you my fingers are sore from signing all the CDs that people have ordered. I want to thank everybody who's ordered my new album, 1965. I just spent the afternoon signing and packaging all these CDs that I'm sending out to you folks. I've had orders from all over the place, Germany and Oregon and all over. And I just can't thank you enough for believing in my music and checking it out. It means a lot to me. The reason I make this music is so that hopefully it's touching people out there. And I hope it's meant something to you. And the whole album is coming out in pieces. So I know it's maybe a little confusing, but I have two singles out right now. One is called 1965 and the other one is called The Will, The Way, and The Want To. And you can hear those on Spotify and all the streaming services and get them on Apple and all the places you get music. The only way you can hear the rest of the album is if you order the CD because right now it's not available on streaming services. But there's a whole album of 11 songs and all the information is on on my social media if you want to go there Dean Miller music is what my Instagram is and my Twitter and then Facebook is at Dean Miller page this week I'm gonna tell you a story about a movie I was in and this has been quite a long time ago I can't remember exactly when we recorded it it's got to be 10 or 15 years ago but I was in a movie called the last castle Some of you may remember this movie. It starred Robert Redford and James Gandolfini, and it was about a military prison, and it was actually not the greatest movie ever, but it was quite an experience to be part of it. And the reason I remembered this story is because I continue to get these tiny little checks, and this is something people may not know about movies and entertainment, but once you're in a movie or you're on a TV show or you have a record out there, if anybody is paying to see it or hear it or look at it, the actors, the actresses, the singers, anybody involved in these creative works, they get paid what are called residuals. And these are like royalties and, and you just get little bits of money every time somebody watches the movie or, or listens to the music or whatever it is you put out. And so a movie of this scale, it was a very large scale, big budget movie. All the actors and everything in it uh, get paid. And so I get these little checks every few months and they're sometimes they're like $5 or $10 or something. But they always remind me that I had this cool experience it was in this really cool movie and what's interesting is that I was cast first of all I had to go on audition all right and I went out to this trailer it was in Nashville Tennessee that they shot this movie there was a prison here out in an area called Bordeaux and there was an old prison with big stone walls and that prison has been in the movie The Green Mile it's been in this movie The Last Castle it's been in a ton of TV shows and documentaries and music videos but a lot of big productions are shot out there and so they set up their offices and operations out there to shoot this prison movie and I went out to audition I had to go through this elaborate audition with the director and the casting director and then it just went on and on and on and and I finally got this part and in the script I had a pretty significant part I had to testify in court and I had this big scene with Gandolfini where we had this big argument and it and as I got cast and as the movie went on and on my part kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and they were cutting my part till it was just minuscule okay I was barely in this movie but they had booked me for like six weeks on this film so I had my own trailer I went out there every day I'd get out there at like five in the morning and I'd stay till probably six or seven at night some days I would sit there all day in costume and makeup and everything and they wouldn't use me at all 
Some days I just read a book or napped all day long. I did nothing out there for most of the time and got paid for it. So it was a pretty cool experience. I got to just hang around on the set and half the time I wasn't even working. I met a lot of the actors in the makeup trailer because it's the first place everybody goes in the morning to get ready for the shoot. You know, you get your costume and you put it on and then they go in and do your makeup and your hair. Now the hair was really interesting because it was a military prison. This movie was, you know, took place in a military prison. So everybody had military haircuts. So they said, okay, we're going to cut your hair. And I said, sure, whatever you want to do. And all of a sudden the razor came out and it was really like being in the army because there went all my hair. It was pretty traumatizing for me to see all my hair get chopped off. So I had a really tiny amount of hair and, uh, and a military uniform. And the first big star that I met on the film was James Gandolfini. And I was in a makeup chair next to him and he was having a conversation with the makeup person and they were talking about Graceland and Elvis and Memphis is about three and a half hours from Nashville and Graceland is there and, and Gandolfini was talking about going there and seeing Graceland and I had just been there so I kind of interrupted a little bit and I actually felt like when I interrupted him I thought I kind of made him mad a little bit and I thought he's not Tony Soprano he's not going to kill you for interrupting him but in my mind for a brief second I went oh wait I just interrupted a mobster but it, it wasn't like that so I told him you know at the time I had just been to Graceland and they had just opened parts of Graceland that were previously closed. So, for example, the kitchen was open and the guest room that his uh, aunt lived in was open. And so I told him, I said, look, they just opened up new parts. You can now see the kitchen and you can see the other thing. And we talked about Graceland. And anyway, that's that's how I met Gandolfini was talking about Graceland. And then the film went on and, and it, you know, I'd watch scenes being shot and I'd walk around. And it was really, truly one of the most disorganized sets I've ever seen. They would sometimes, you know, have hundreds of extras out there. And then they'd be shooting an interior scene somewhere with two guys and not even using these extras. And they'd be sitting around all day being paid to be there while they shot this little interior scene. So it was kind of disorganized. And at the time I had uh, records out and I was making music. And so in, at least in Nashville, some people knew who I was. And I had this, I knew this guy who was a reporter and I'm going to leave him nameless and you'll see why in this story. But there was this guy who was a reporter and he asked if he could interview me about the movie. Now, being on the film, they, they don't want you to tell too many secrets about the story or the set or anything like that. So they were having a hard time getting people to do interviews to talk about the film. But I was willing to talk to them and I just wasn't going to tell the secrets of the film. But anyway, I agreed to do an interview. So I was on the phone with this guy and I knew him. So I thought, okay, he's a nice guy and I trust him. So I was doing this interview and I told him stories about just working on the film and talked about myself and stuff. And then we wrapped up the interview. And as we were wrapping up, I thought we were just kind of talking as friends. And this is a great lesson in the future. You're always on record if you're talking to a reporter. Just remember that you are always on record. So I'm just kind of telling him about uh, my day or whatever. And I felt like, well, you know, we're just talking as friends now. The interview's over. And I said, you know, it's kind of interesting on this film, they have all these extras out there and, and they'll be shooting these scenes and they'll just have all these extras standing around all day paying them and they're not really doing anything. And I thought I was just saying that off the cuff, but I learned very quickly the hard way that I had said and done the absolute wrong thing. I should not have said that. And the reason being the next day, the newspaper came out when people were still reading newspapers and all he quoted me as saying is people are just standing around and they're wasting money. 
that was the angle of his article on me and his interview on me. So it was very brutal. He knew exactly what he was doing. He pulled everything else I'd said and just threw it away and took what he thought was the most tantalizing thing I'd said and made a whole article implying that I was saying it was a big waste of money and that they were wasting time. That is not how I meant it, but that's how it was written. And I still had two more weeks on the film. <laughs> so, so you can imagine the welcome I got when I arrived on the set the next day as the guy who had said to the newspaper, this is a waste of money, or however they perceived it. The first thing that happened when I arrived on the set at five in the morning was I ran into a makeup person and the first thing she said to me was, I can't believe they let you on the set after what you said. And it only went downhill from there. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but at that time, it was not funny at all. People treated me like a complete pariah. I, it was like being the nerd in school and going to the cafeteria and everybody's just ignoring you, ostracizing you. So I quickly learned that I should just keep my head low and shut up and do my work and show up for my scenes. And that was it. Okay. People would make snide remarks or they wouldn't talk to me or they'd walk past. It was truly like being in high school. It was really terrible. And when lunch came around, they had the little catering area and it was truly like a cafeteria at high school. And I was walking with my little tray and and my food and Mark Ruffalo we all know who Mark Ruffalo is the actor he stops me and says hey are you getting enough to eat I know you've been just standing around wasting time all day <laughs> I mean how brutal is that how brutal is that to a guy to say so I went and ate and um and and to, to, to Mark's credit and to everybody's credit they all came around and were friends with me later and and joked with me but at the time it was pretty darn horrifying so later uh I had to shoot a scene and this scene involved standing on a wall at this prison with a gun I had a rifle and I'm standing on the wall and I'm a, I was a guard I played a guard in the film and I'm on the wall and there's a huge crowd of men down below and they're building, building a wall in the scene. That's what the scene was. And I'm guarding over them. And uh, the director who had been, you'd have to know this guy, and I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but not, not really a pleasant guy, gets on the megaphone and yells up at me on the wall in the megaphone and says, hey, make sure Dean's not taking any notes up there for the newspaper. Okay. So I let him have it. I mean, from that, from the top of that wall in front of all those people, I said, if you want to talk about this, I'll be glad to talk to you about this, but I am not going to take any more of this. Uh, I used, ex uh, you know, expletives. And I really laid into this guy and I said, uh, you know, and he went, whoa, 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 we're just kidding. We're just kidding. We're just kidding. And I'm telling you, it was a real life lesson in being a man and standing up for yourself. You know, there comes a point where you can be apologetic and and bend and all those things, but there comes a time you gotta be a man and you gotta stand up for yourself. And this was one of those times. And what I learned from this was that after that, everybody liked me. Everybody was nice to me. Everybody was my friend because I had stood up and I had let this guy have it in front of everybody. 
And it just goes to show, sometimes you just got to stand your ground. Uh, it got better after that. Uh, I didn't have to hide my trailer from everybody. And the movie came out. I ended up being chopped out completely. You can barely see me in it. But if you get the DVD, they have the deleted scenes. And in the deleted scenes, you can see me and this one scene that was left in where I'm with James Gandolfini. And my big line is, disgraceful, sir. So that was my big line, disgraceful, sir. And they changed that line five times while we were shooting it. Shooting it. Sorry, they've changed that line five times while we were shooting it. So I kept saying different things, and they wanted it to be different every time. And anyway, that was my big, huge scene. And I spent that whole day in a conference room with James Gandolfini, and he was really nice. And uh, he played chess a lot on the film. He played chess, and I don't think he was real thrilled with doing the movie. He didn't seem to want to be there, but he was a real nice guy to me and nice to everybody else. And really quiet kept to himself but a, a cool guy and it was really an honor to work with him and meet him um, before he passed away this is probably a good point for our regular feature called shameless plug shameless plug shameless plug i'm gonna make a shameless plug y'all wanna hear a shameless plug because i'm gonna make a shameless plug the new single, The Will, The Way, and The Want To came out last week, and I hope you'll listen to that on Spotify and all the other places you listen to music. It's the newest song from my album, 1965, and you can order the album, 1965, before it's actually released. If you want to, go to my social media, Dean Miller Music on Instagram, Dean Miller Music on Twitter, or Dean Miller Page on Facebook. You can order the CD before it's out. I'm sending autographed copies to anyone who wants one. It's an 11-song album. I'm really proud of it. Wrote all the songs myself, produced the album myself. So please listen to that. Check that out. And uh, the album will be available for streaming next month, June. But right now, it's available on a hard copy CD that I will autograph for you if you order it. Back to our regularly scheduled program. So in the midst of all of this chaos on the set of The Last Castle, I had admired Robert Redford all my life. And I would love to have met him, but I also thought he co-produced this movie, he's the star of the movie, and he certainly knows about the article where they said I said all these things. And so I spent the next two weeks on the film avoiding him. So I just didn't want to get in a, a, an uncomfortable position with Robert Redford, who's one of my heroes. So uh, I would see him. He rode a bike on the set all the time. So he'd come out of his trailer. And his trailer, by the way, was this massive block long. It looked like a, a skyscraper on its side. But he would come out of that trailer and start riding his bike. And I'd walk the other way, duck behind a building, go somewhere else, because I just didn't want to get into it with Robert. Robert Redford. I don't know many people who go around trying to dodge Robert Redford, but I did that for two weeks and I was very successful at it. Didn't have to get confrontational with him at all. So I'm really happy about that. Again, we've wasted a perfectly good 15 minutes on stories from my life. I'm glad you guys dropped by for episode six and I hope you'll drop by again next week, Wednesday for episode seven of Dean's List. Have a good week. 